August training camps are over a month away. There really isn't a whole lot going on, but for the Bannerman, there's always something going on. How are you tonight, Vardy? I'm I'm excited, buddy. We're doing a nice little late night recording here for episode number 25, the Eric Belanger special, if you will. Your voice does sound extra sultry tonight. So oh, it's, it's deep and <laughs> sexy like. For all you listeners out there in podcast land. Yes, and if you haven't uh, turned the podcast off yet, we <laughs> we wanted to touch on a few things. There isn't a whole lot going on, uh, to be quite frank, especially from a King's perspective. The big deal was Ilya Kovalchuk. That was done before free agency. Still exciting. Still exciting. Uh, after mm. July 1st, other moves were made um by other teams obviously other signings and we'll get into those into in greater detail when we cover the entire league as we always do and by always i mean the last year that we've been doing <laughs> that one this, time we did that it. one time we did it last year uh, so it will become a tradition um but the big thing i think that we can maybe touch on is is john Tavares signing with the toronto maple leafs um the reason to me it's big is because this never kind of happens for Toronto. They always <laughs> hope and wish and think that it will happen, uh, much like Steven Stamkos last summer, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it happened for them this time, <laughs> and they are there for it, buddy. They are having parties. I think it's going to be an all-summer thing for them. Uh, it has not stopped. Uh, Toronto radio, Toronto fans, Toronto Twitter, it's nonstop. Now they believe that they can get anyone, anytime. And uh, I don't know if this is a blessing or a curse for the rest of us, but here we are. <laughs> I think they still think they're going to get Drew Doughty, too. It's it's going to happen for him somehow. <laughs> yeah, he's going to demand a trade because the pull of Toronto is too great. The gravitational pull of, of bedsheets from when you were a child, apparently. It can't be overcome. <laughs> um, good for them, man. Good for them because I, you know, I, I don't... I don't hate Toronto so much. Not at all. I think it's good for them to have a good team. I think they're a passionate fan base. And um, unlike unlike Montreal, who who basically, or even Edmonton, like these teams that, you know, love to sing about their glory days of the 70s and the 80s, respectively, Toronto realizes they don't have... <laughs> anything since you know 67 right was that when it last was or was that it? is correct yeah so it's all they have is hope and hope springs eternal in, <laughs> in, in the in the six as drizzy drake would say in the gta baby in the gta that's um and good for them i mean let them let them enjoy the summer you know they're, they're celebrating like they've won the cup but that's okay this is this is like their cup for them well, in the, a lot of ways. In reality, like this is the culmination of all the work right. they did. Uh, Shanahan, Brenda Shanahan, uh, Kyle Dubas, you know, Tim Laiwiki, I don't think he's there anymore, but he kind of set the foundation there. So it's kind of this culmination of like, okay, the cup window is open. Like mm-hmm. officially, we are open for business. And right yeah. now for the next at least five, six, maybe seven years – 
Like, this is a team that's going to be challenging for the Stanley Cup, hopefully, for them anyway, and they're going to have a good shot at it. So it's been a long time since even the Cup window has been open, so they could, in theory, plan a Cup window parade tomorrow, <laughs> and they, it would be valid because – and I agree with you. Good for them. They have they have good fans. Um, just like any other fan base, there is the good ones, there is the – less good ones i guess just right. like, it, it, it's fine i'm happy for them because they do deserve it they're hockey people i guess my the difference the difference for me from like the montreal fans and and the toronto fans is um the montreal fans think that it's like their holy right to be constantly winning you know what i mean versus the toronto guys are just like come on man <laughs> we we deserve to win. I, I don't know. I get the, I get that. I get a little bit of a different vibe when I when I talk to Toronto people or or you know I see Toronto tweets or Montreal tweets and stuff like it's Toronto's just constantly hoping that the good old Ontario boys want to come back and bring a cup home, whereas Montreal just like looks down at anyone who doesn't want to possibly come play in Montreal. Yeah, I could see where. I mean, I don't want to be unfair to anyone, but. I can see where you Montreal could. sucks, God. Just get on my damn bandwagon here. Believe me, I built that bandwagon um, <laughs> back in 1993. Right, established. Uh, yes, uh, but yeah, good for them. Uh, otherwise, I, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Like, do you want to talk about LeBron? That's cool. Because you might that, come to the game. Every other podcast is talking about LeBron right now. I think maybe we should too. What do you think? Sure. Hockey LeBron, let's do it. Uh, no, but seriously, uh, the only I other he'd be good at. Hockey. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> I and clearly, he's a phenomenal athlete, uh, but he's got the skating part. I think it's going to be a big problem for him. He's I think... from Ohio, man. You think he's never put on a pair of size 15 skates or whatever it is he rocks? No, I don't think he's ever put on a, a pair of skates. Um, but maybe we can touch on the uh, World Junior Showcase a little bit, Vardy. The Summer Showcase. LeBron in that? LeBron is not in that. He will not be watching it. Uh, he mm. doesn't know what it is. Um, <laughs> so, no. Uh, but a couple of Kings prospects. Why don't we tell the fans what it is? It's, it's, it's not, you know. It's essentially a mini tournament of exhibition games between four countries. It's Canada, mm-hmm. the United States, Sweden, and Finland. That's a bit of a proving ground, if you will, a testing ground, if you will, for the 2019 World Junior Championship, uh, which is obviously a huge tournament, especially in Canada. I think it's growing now in the United States, which is always awesome because it is a phenomenal tournament. It's one of the best tournaments in hockey, believe me, because these kids just, they just don't care. I think that's the best way to put it. Like, they care so much that they don't care about anything else mm. other than other than that, that stretch of time. And they're playing, like, it, at times it feels like all structure goes out the window and it's just sheer chaos that's right. for at least, like, large chunks of the game, which is fantastic to watch. And they're the future stars of the NHL, most likely. So who do the Kings have, Vardy? Let's run it. Let's run down the old sure. list. Sure. Uh, should we start with most recent draft picks, perhaps for Finland? Uh, Rasmus Kapari is uh, is on the roster, which is uh, nice. Uh, you would expect that you know your first round pick from a country would would make the roster, and that's good to see. Um, uh, for the U.S., um, oh gosh, let me pull up the roster right now. 
Mikey Anderson. That's right. Mikey and I was going to say Mikey Eisman. I don't know why the heck. It's so stupid. Also a Kings prospect. Also. I'm just I'm just displaying my vast knowledge of Kings Mikey's basically. Um, but yes, Mikey Anderson is on there and by all accounts has already had a really nice start. A couple good games. I think he was player of the game. Uh, the first game that the U.S. played, um, which was nice to see. Um, and certainly a couple uh, prospects on the Canadian roster as well. Uh, Anderson Dolan, nice to see. And uh, Gabe Velarde would have been on the roster, except um, in a somewhat frightening or maybe just from a fan's perspective, nerve-wracking turn of events, um, he has aggravated his back injury. Now, we don't know how serious that actually is, but um, not going to play in the in the summer showcase. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, does it really mean much? Because, you know, he's say he was healthy, he would absolutely be a lock for the World Junior Championship. That's not even a question. And maybe this is just kind of a... Uh, you know, a proactive move to not aggravate something further for an unnecessary tournament, perhaps. But, you know, if I'm going to be a completely overreactionary person, I I start getting a little worried that he's having back problems. He's a big guy. He's not a, you know, fantastic skater by any means. And I worry that putting a little too much strain on the lower back gives me flashbacks of Jason Allison and back pain and, you know, things of that nature. Oh, I'm, just, I'm scared shitless. Yeah. I okay, mean, good. Good. I was trying to, no, 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 I was, look, I was beating around the bush there. And <laughs> he's, this is already now the second back injury he's had. Uh, he's had other injuries and now there's a feeling. Of, I just don't want him to be injury prone. Obviously that's the last right. thing you want to tag on a young kid like that who's, you know, not even an NHL rookie yet. And I'm worried about that. Uh, you know, we've seen players who have fought injuries for far too long that has stunted their development, that has derailed their career. And you don't want to see that not only with your team's top prospect, but right. someone who has the potential to be a really good player. So that's what it is. I, Rob Blake said... Um, that he he expects Velarde to be back for training camp, ready to go. I don't know if that's wishful or what. That's I mean, that's cool that he feels that way. I hope he's right. But again, I'm just a little bit worried. I hope he's okay. He's everything indicates that he'll make the team this year. So right, let's just put this behind us. I don't care about no summer showcase. I don't. I really don't care. Because uh, even if he doesn't play in the showcase and he's healthy enough, they're going to put him in the final roster. Like it's not it's right. Not but a the, the thing is, the Kings aren't even going to probably let him play <laughs> at, oh, that, at that point. I see what you mean. Yeah. So it doesn't. Whatever. It's fine. Let it just heal up, buddy. Heal up. Yeah. Make the team. I mean, and I'm not hearing too much chatter about it. You know, like I don't. I don't hear anyone fixating too much on the injury or the extent of it. And so I'm hoping that it's just kind of a again precautionary. Let's not push it. This kid's valuable. This kid needs time to heal kind of move. But again, I just – he's a big dude. Big dudes suffer yep. knee and hip and back problems all the time. And so just you just don't wish that upon anyone before they even laced up for their first NHL game. You yeah, know? yeah. So – Especially when I have such high hopes for him. 
I had I had like a whole thing in the last episode. <laughs> it was like, great. It was a dream scenario. Yeah, I went all I was... the way down the rabbit hole about his, you know, redefining the Calder Trophy race and whatnot. Oh, yeah. I was hulking up like I was in the Silver Dome, brother. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you right now, you got me you got me pretty pumped up with that one. But, no, uh, best wishes, Gabe Velarde. Uh, Lord, carry him now. That's right. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> right whatever that was just bring him back to us in one piece and we're good uh so i think that's it for the episode guys yeah it was a good talk is a quick one no no we got or more is it we got more we got more so last year around this time we did a little episode called list miserab vardy mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. where we did a little uh 10 bullet point list and at that time the list was 10 players currently active in hockey that we would like on the los angeles kings who played for the los angeles it was a very we, t- we, we titled it much better last time uh, that's right they'll tell you that but former kings still active who we want back on the team but this year we can't do that no more can we we already did that so we went mm-hmm. in a different direction <laughs> in a much more fascinating i think an, an interesting conversation we each uh, compiled a list of 10 things we would change about the NHL currently. Yes. Whether it's the on-ice product, whether it's off the ice, 10 things we would each change about the NHL. We did not share our list with one another again. Uh, these are not going to be in order. We just have kind of 10 bullet points that each of us would like to see change in hockey. So I think it's going to be fun. I think uh, I think we could have a few laughs with this one because we did not put any limits on ourselves, guys. We no. went, we're going from the absurd to the very carefully thought out. I right. would say, and not not that I'm going to put it in any particular order, but just to just to add a little suspense to it, shall we say? I plan on starting with my with my simpler ones, if I may, and then gradually building my way up to the more off the wall you know mind-blowing things so brace yourself people all right we're gonna and also forward this to the nhl right Right. after you listen to it immediately because we're gonna revolutionize the the game pull over for your own safety (laughs) (laughs) okay okay uh so last time i had you start off Vardy, and i'm gonna do that again because it was so successful last time uh so hit, hit us with one of yours all right i'm gonna start very very simple Oh, let me pull up my list here. Oh, he 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 I, wrote, I wrote it down by hand, down. guys. I wrote, I mean, hand. With, with a quill and <laughs> parchment paper. Uh, because the first thing I want is for all NHL game reports to go back to being written on twill, <laughs> on quill and parchment. No, <laughs> people Thank don't God. appreciate the written word anymore. Thank God. All right. <laughs> okay, plain and simple. Number one, I'd like for them to go back. To the playoff one to eight seeding format, oh. as opposed to the current interdivision weird rivalry building format thing. Okay. Okay. It's very simple. A couple of reasons. Number one, I can't help but appreciate that the first time that the Kings won a cup, they were an eight seed, and they made that run. It was a beautiful moment. It, it, it captured the entire sports world. It certainly made it a way more special run for all of us, and. I think when you get rid of that eight versus one kind of format, that David versus Goliath ish 
look to things, it takes a little drama out of the matchups. Secondly, with the current format the way it is, I hate how repetitive the matchups are becoming. Yep, yep. I, every every freaking season now, you're sitting there going, "Am I going to play San Jose? Or am I going to play the Ducks?" You know, it's it's like I, I'm tired of it. Yeah, I already see these teams five times minimum in the regular season. I've, we've played them multiple. I don't care about the rivalry, bad blood, whatever. You know what I mean? I I want to see a little bit of variety in these matchups. And if those teams make it, you know. If that's what the matchup ends up being because one of them is four and we're five, fine. Yeah. No problem. Another thing is like a marquee matchup like Pittsburgh and Washington right. has to be over by the second round. Exactly. Where exactly. That, that probably should, at least last season, should have been the Eastern Conference final. You it know? should have been the West too. I mean, it ended up being Nashville versus Winnipeg in the semis. Right. And th- those were, you know, those are the top two teams, I believe, in the West last season. Yep. They were. And – you know, that's not to say that Vegas wouldn't have made it as far as they did, but you know, it makes a difference. It certainly and, does. And so, I wasn't going to use this one yet, but based off yours, I'm going to use one of mine. Okay. And mine is not one of the simple ones, folks. I propose a one versus sixteenth seed <laughs> playoff format, uh, interdivision play the number one team in the national hockey league versus the 16th seed in the national hockey league one versus 16 in the first round and so on and so forth two versus 15 three versus 14 um march madness style exactly uh so listen i understand there's some issues here number one (laughs) right on top is travel (laughs) this would probably be a big issue but if you space out the games properly uh, if you give a break on the travel days and you, let's say, I don't know, it's L.A. versus New York in the first round. I understand how that could be problematic right. logistically. But I think you could work around that. The reason I want to see this, the reason I would go with this is very much because of what you said. Is because of the the, the matchups are too familiar. They're, mm-hmm. They've become somewhat, not predictable, but stagnant in a way where you kind of expect the same imagine the wildness of this imagine the matchups you could potentially see and then in the regular season those games will mean more right Uh, you know a february game against i don't know carolina carolina (laughs) means more all of a sudden because it's a rematch of the first and that's why i want to see it again i went a little out there because i i think it would be held extremely entertaining it will be another problem is it kind of does away with the eastern conference championship and the western conference championship which which i didn't forget about and i know how uh, significant it is history wise but that's what i propose let's go crazy if we're gonna do this let's go I i don't mind that i don't mind that because the other advantage i think to this is that i think it truly determines who the best team is right you know I, what i mean yes. like it, it's not because like oh you happen to you happen to be in the eastern conference and so you're gonna have to play pittsburgh or you're gonna have to play you know the soon-to-be juggernaut that is toronto to get out of there because you might be you know like it, it just it creates it in a way where toronto might have to get by i don't mind it i don't mind it i think it's Another another thing is I think it rewards the President's Trophy winner right. properly for right. once. You know, it's the President's Trophy has almost been a curse 
the last decade or so, I would say. And yeah. Very rarely does the President Trophy winner win the Stanley Cup. I think Chicago was the last one in 13. But I think it's a bit of an incentive to finish first, whereas with the wild card seeding now, sometimes it's like, hey, you were the best team in the West. Congratulations. You know, you get a wild card, I don't know, Nashville Predators or something. Right. And you're like, okay, great. Like That's what I – yeah, and that's, that's what I hate about this wild card thing is that, you know, you just – you're going to have a team that's a really good team that just happens to be in a in a really good conference end up getting a lower seed for points wise they might be they might be better by a lot more than the seeds that are above them it just it's really strange it doesn't make a lot of sense to right. me uh, then that's pretty much where I'm at with that, and that's kind of, right. and that's kind of why I went that way. I think it would be entertaining. So I don't, I don't mind that. So awesome, that. we we covered the playoffs. <laughs> okay, so yep. I'm going to take it from the playoffs and go to the next significant thing once the playoffs are over, the draft. Oh, very nice. I propose that the NHL sneak the draft order. <laughs> oh my God, that would be amazing. Wouldn't it though? Because then there's actually a little bit of a reward to the team who won the cup and a little bit of punishment, if you will, to the team that is really, really bad. Yes. Because yes, you might get the first overall pick, but you're going to have to wait until pick number 60 to make your second pick. I like that, dude. I like that. I got to tell you, you know, we played fantasy all these years and I, exactly. it, ne- it never really crossed my mind to exactly. do that in the big leagues. Snake the draft. But it makes, it makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. And it makes every draft pick way more valuable, just like it does in fantasy. Yeah. It makes teams – it makes you actually want to strive to be a little bit in the middle of the pack so you can pick, you know, kind of more frequently, if you will. Yeah. Versus just tanking because not, – that's not to say getting the first overall pick isn't still going to be incredibly valuable, but it's not going to be an immediate like – rebuild your team in a single summer kind of situation because you're going to have pick number one 30 and everything everything else that you've traded for you know draft pick wise you snake the draft order all of a sudden everyone's got to think a little differently about how they're drafting how they're scouting i think it shakes things up i like it i'm on board with it um so far we're revolutionizing hockey i mean this is tell me this game is not already better yeah okay now for a real serious one all right. I want players to have custom equipment. Ooh, and we've, we've, we've discussed this. <laughs> I think I tweeted this. Uh, yes, you did, but that's okay. Go. But Elaborate, here's my thing. Yeah, here's my thing. You know, I, I was reading a story about how Kawhi Leonard is out looking for a shoe deal, and it was such a big deal. It was a big piece right. by ESPN, and it's like, you know, companies are actually after him to sign him because of his marketability. Now, the only two ga- Brand, he was with Jordan Brand. He Jordan was, Brand offered him like five years, twenty five million or something like that, and he said no. Right. When have you heard anything? First of all, there's only two games in town right now. It's CCM mm-hmm. and Bauer. Okay, so that puts a damper on things. But when I say signature skates, give these skates like a completely different design for right. like Alex Ovechkin, something that no other player can wear i mean and if they want to wear they could be like a rookie or something you know what i mean the same way the jordan shoes kind of happened for a while but you know that those are ovechkins like period that's his skate and that's the skate you wear now when i was a kid i begged my dad to get me the gretzky aluminum stick and guess Mm -hmm. what he was the only player to use it 
Yep. At that time, for a few years, and then later more players used it. But there was a time, a stretch of time for three, four years, where Wayne Gretzky was the only player holding that stick. And tell me, Easton didn't make a killing off of that. Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's the beauty. That's that's the marketability of athletes. You know, the the exclusiveness that. This is, I mean, it's the same reason why we wanted, you know, Jordan shoes when we were kids, why you would drag your, you know, your mom to buy you something because you felt like if I have these shoes, I'm like this guy. Right. I am my idol. I'm representing yes. this person who I idolize. And, and hockey, I think, surprisingly has kind of missed the boat on this because it's not revolutionary. And I said right. this on Twitter. It's not like I'm not a genius for saying this. Why I mean, you are? Yeah, I but mean, that's... why doesn't Sidney Crosby have a completely unique stick? Right, a, a color. I don't know a pattern. Something that is only used by him. Period. Well, the patterns they have, but it's not. You know, like it. I'm talking about not, the actual pattern right, not the on blade the pattern. Exactly. Like the I don't mean that curve. Right. I'm talking about the actual pattern, the colors, the way it's designed. Why can't it be? Sydney Crosby stick and when someone walks into the, I don't know when you're playing beer league or when you're a kid playing right. squirt someone walks in and says man th- that you got the Crosby stick right that's and that's exactly how the Easton aluminum was totally you got the Gretzky stick no one said right. hey you got the Easton aluminum silver 6000 no no one said that they you know said what's funny is is um there was a, a brief period of time when Nike was making skates yes where there was the Fedorov, the Fedorov white skate. ones, and, and and the Gretzky, Gretzky and Fedorov both wore the white ones. Yes, but they were like the only two guys that had them, and they were amazing. So if you were playing pickup and some dude came out with the white skates, you were like, "All right, this guy, <laughs> he better own up to him." You know what I mean? Like and you they better... never did. Nope, not once. <laughs> they not never once. did. But that's that's what I'm talking about. So that's... so it's funny because this was this was actually one of my, one of the things on my list too. Oh, cool. But I took it one step further. I took it one step further, and I, I brought this up to you one time. There's these old Bauer ads where you saw, like, Guy LaFleur wearing Bauer dryland shoes mm-hmm. and whatnot. And so I realized that having signature skates, yes, it would be the ideal thing in terms of playing the sport and stuff. But these guys do dryland training. They do all sorts of stuff off the ice as well. And off-ice shoes are more accessible to the average fan, cheaper than skates. I think – especially now with Adidas being the sponsor of the NHL, there's no reason in my mind why these players shouldn't have signature off-ice dryland shoes. Like their dryland running shoes, the signature, you know, Patrick Kane trainer or something like that. Right. A very similar thing, signature shoe for them. You know, they wear it when they go out. Some kid wants it. it it's, it's, again, it's marketability. It's taking the athlete... And putting it in a, in a sphere that they're more accessible to everyone. You know what I mean? You're you're seeing these all over the place. You're not just seeing it every time you're turn the TV on and watch them watch them skate. Right. And by the way, kids do a lot of dryland now. Youth hockey players, dryland is right. a big part of their training. So right. there's that crossover appeal as well. So right. yeah, it's the same thing, man. It, it comes down to marketing these players and marketing your brand and the NHL's behind straight up. Like the NBA, I mean, NBA marketing, man, it blows my mind how good they are. And, yeah. it, and it's like no brainers. They're, the things they do are not. 
Well, it's a lot of crossover appeal. They realize that like it's not just the game. It's it's everything beyond the game. It's everything you do coming to the game, watching the game afterwards, hanging out with your friends, talking about the game. That's the one thing that the NHL, I feel like, is a poor job of. And you're going to see a couple of the things that I have further in my list is all about bringing the game to more than just the rink. Right. It's about getting it out there and getting it into the everyday existence of people and making them feel like they're involved with the team and the players that they love beyond just watching them play. Yep. That's that's I think that's one thing that they've missed. And it's it's funny because you look NFL players have their own signature shoes too, sure. but they're wearing cleats when they're playing. Yeah. You know, like no one's going and buying cleats and wearing them around, but they have the non-cleated versions of those shoes. I had freaking Emmett Smith trainers. I I dis- distinctly remember having Reebok Emmett Smith shoes in like eighth grade, man. Right. Stuff like that sticks with people. Or the Bo Jackson trainers. Come on. Deion Sanders trainers. Those are all shoes that, you know. I had, that's the, what, uh, that's what, I had the Air Griffey. There and, you go. The Air Griffey. And I don't the think. Air Griffey. I wasn't a, it's not like I was crazy about Ken Griffey Jr. I liked exactly. the shoe. And all exactly. of a sudden I became, I, I started following Griffey exactly. a little. It, it's just little things like that, you know. Um, okay. I like it, Vardy. We're on the right. same page there. I'm going to go a little bit it's, – it's off the ice, right? okay. but it's not in the realm of aesthetics or market, marketing too much. I propose that the NHL gets rid of all no-trade clauses completely. Ooh. Outlawed. You cannot have a no-trade clause in your contract. Now, here's the thing. I'm very much a pro-player type of person. I always say get your money, get as mm-hmm. much as you can, all that stuff. However – I am also a fan, and I love player movement, and I can't deny it. To get rid of no-trade clauses completely, I think, opens things up significantly right. uh, in the NHL trade market. I think now you have the option, and and this means all, no move, everything. Everything, everything. No move also means, by the way, you can be sent down to sent the minors, to the minors. Even though, look, one there's a one-way contract and all that, my main thing is you cannot block any movement as a player mm-hmm. you get your money no one's saying you don't get your money you get your right. money no matter what guaranteed but you don't control where you can be traded to and you don't control if you can be traded so that's my small kind of proposal there that is interesting that is, it's funny because I, I wonder how much that would affect the financial landscape of things because you would imagine that players would start demanding more money because of that right like a lot of people give up money they leave it on the table for exchange knowing that they have some control over where they go so sure 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 that might drive up salaries but if it's devil's advocate but if it's not even an option true you know how does that it's even it's an even effect across the board i don't think does any other sport have no trade they do i don't think the nba does yeah i think they do really I'd have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure they do. I, I don't think I've ever heard of a no-trade clause for an NBA player, but I, I could be that's, wrong. That's an excellent question. I thought they did. I could be wrong. But anyway, if if there isn't, you look at how much movement there is in the NBA. They have the most exciting offseason in sports, period. Uh, I mean, the NBA is totally different. It's different play. because it's a it's a race to like build the greatest dynasty team of all time every right. season. It's a little different, but... And the players have a lot of like opt in, opt out. Yes, yes, yes. Kind yes. Of options. Right, right. So that all matters too, obviously. But I think I want there to be excitement about the NHL offseason. I want there to be 
excitement about player movement and the possibility of player movement makes the game more entertaining makes the game more watchable in general okay so now now you have me in a bit of a quandary because i had (laughs) i had one more thing that i wanted to discuss from an aesthetic point of view okay and then i I was going to get into something very similar about player movements etc so I don't know what to go with. Either next. way, look, I have one more aesthetic thing too. All right, so. I'll keep the aesthetic one. Okay, it's fine. Um, I had something player movement wise. I want them to reduce or completely get rid of all of the penalties involved for giving RFA offer sheets. So oh. if you if you give an offer sheet <laughs> like to an that. RFA and yeah. the RFA decides to sign with you, currently the way it's set up is depending on how much money they get, the team that you steal the RFA from gets a certain number of draft picks yes. from you. Or yes. Most uh, notoriously, the one that's coming to mind is Dustin Penner yep. going to the Oilers and the Ducks getting several draft picks from the Oilers for yes. it. Yes, yes. Which I think is horse poopy. Forgive <laughs> <laughs> my French. I think that's terrible. I think that sucks for the player. I think that sucks for player movement. And... I think it it gives teams entirely too much power over um, over where a player basically is stuck. So you're basically saying you just have the option to match or let him go. That's it. Yep. Exactly. I like it. You know, exactly. Did you? I don't know if too many fans know this, but Joe Sakic signed a huge offer sheet yes. when he was in Colorado with the New York Rangers, yep. and then Sergey Fedorov signed an even bigger offer sheet, I think, with the Carolina Hurricanes yep. in nineteen ninety-eight or something. Yeah, and both teams matched, um, which they had to. Uh, obviously, more recently, I think Shea Weber signed one with Philly. That was matched. So the, it, there have been offer sheets, but right. rarely they do they not get. Through. Yeah, rarely do they not get matched. Uh, and, it's, and it's also because, like, the whole NHL landscape is full of, you know, guys who are friends. Yeah, genius. no one offers them. Yeah. It's such a – dude, it is such a loaded gun in your, you know, holster. And no one ever uses it. It's, right. And Kevin I think – but I think, one time to get Dustin Penner. And that's not to say that Kevin Lowe is, is, is by any state <laughs> of the imagination, a good GM. But, man, he yeah. was just – everyone was just waiting to say something terrible about Kevin Lowe as like a human being afterwards. Right. And it's because of what you said. It's because exactly. of what you have to give up. Um, so yeah, I like that a lot, man. I, I gotta be honest with you. I don't if have you that talk one, but like an exciting off season. That is an exciting off season because play, because then a team has to be careful about how they're using their money. Right. Cause all of that money, I'm not saying get rid of the cap. I'm just saying, if you want to, if you want to throw, you know, X number of dollars at a player who's an RFA, and you want them to come to your team, you know, go for it. But understand that if that player doesn't pan out the way that you want them to, it's still going to count against your cap. Right. Yeah, that's it's interesting. It's interesting. So all, RFA, all that means is you hold the rights to the player, and okay. you. It's ultimately your decision whether they leave or they stay. And I'm not saying that, that the team still doesn't have certain advantages, like a particular exclusive negotiating window or the ability to give a longer contract than, than but another team. I'll tell you this, though. What this opens up is the vultures, my friend, will be circling. Absolutely. Because if a team's up against the cap and they're planning on going to arbitration yep. or something like that and then settle on this yeah. middle ground number and, you know – Team B rolls in and says, "But you know what I think that you know what I think it's going to actually cause. It's actually going to 
cause contracts to come down a bit. Sure. People are be way more careful about how much money they're throwing at these players. You know what I mean? I can like see I'm that. hearing some arbitration stuff today for, for Mark Stone that he's going up there asking for $9 million <laughs> and Ottawa's asking for three. Come on, man. That's the both parties, by the way. Come on. It's, just, it's silly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's a waste. A- apparently, the job of being an NHL arbitrator right now is about as complicated as doing seventh grade algebra. You take yeah. two numbers, you divide by two. Basically. And, and then 90% of the time, they don't even, you don't even have to do that because they agree before they come to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's dumb. It's freaking stupid. No one should be talking about Mark Stone getting $9 million. I don't give a damn. Yeah. I like it, man. I, I, that's one of my favorite ones you've thrown out so far. Thanks, I got to say. Um, my next one, back All to right. aesthetics. I okay. want NHL teams to be allowed to have limitless jersey designs every season. <laughs> <laughs> Limit. There is no. You're, you're, A lot of this is NBA driven, isn't it? <laughs> dude, because it works. There, I think there was one season where the Lakers wore seven jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I'm exaggerating. Like, imagine a King season where they wear their current home, their current mm-hmm. away, mm-hmm. the purple and gold, mm. purple one, the purple yes. and gold, gold one, gold one, the Gretzky, the, the Gretzky arrow silver and black, home and away. That's six already. Burger King Saturday. Burger King, why not? Let's throw in the uh, uh, Ziggy Palfieras. Let's throw the Ziggy Palfieras jerseys in there. Why not, man? Why not, like, embrace your entire history? Why can't the Carolina Hurricanes wear the friggin' Whalers jersey for, like, one – for, like, five games a year? Man. You're not going to sell those jerseys? Seriously. Yeah. If Adidas made the Gretzky-era jersey, that's not going to sell? Of course it is. Come Everything on. is. So why, why limit it to, like – I don't know. You just go crazy, man. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. Why not – I don't know. The NBA has a Christmas Day jersey. I don't they know. Do, do a full Canada Day jersey. For you all know, what's interesting is teams like Miami. Have you ever seen the Miami Heat's Miami Vice jersey? Yes. They're great. <laughs> they have no relation to their color palette whatsoever. No, but, but it's a completely like neon white, pink. Yeah, blue. there's like a pink, teal, black. It is nuts. But right. it looks good. Why? Yeah. And that's that's kind of what I'm saying is like get creative with your uniforms. You always have your set that you wear most of the season, but there should you should set aside at least like I don't know 25 games where you just have fun and just wear like embrace right. your history, embrace your I colors, like and just like wear it, whatever the I hell can you want. Goalies wearing like custom pads for those Absolutely. days and stuff too. Marketability. This is a theme so, now. <laughs> hey man. <laughs> I swear, if I see this stuff getting rolled out in the next five years, we're, we're drawing up some lawsuits, baby. Um, okay, staying on the aesthetics bandwagon and staying more so on the Adidas bandwagon. I think Adidas needs to do a better job creating better merchandise for fans, mm-hmm. for these teams. Right now, it's the same run-of-the-mill, same jersey with a color swap for every team. If you if you go to like the team stores, it's like LA Kings hockey win hard or something stupid then you go it's like boston bruins hockey same freaking jersey same logo same design yeah, it's a template exactly it's a template it's stupid yeah i don't it's fine it's fine that that's what you want to do but really explore the space of what you're capable of as adidas you're you're 
a company that's been around for like a hundred years. You design for soccer. You've designed for every sport there is on the planet. Your track suits are like signature items of yours in every different sport. You're telling me if you made different track suits for every team, King's track suits or Bruins track suits with the team colors and the team logo, or even better, if you collaborated with like some designers in each one of those cities, like a little boutique shop to create custom stuff as they've done for the Kings. Yep. The Kings have a couple items like that, but I'm just saying like explore the ability of the fans of these teams and the designers who live in these cities to make things signature for that team and do it something better than a simple t-shirt that exists for all 30 teams in the exact same design. No argument there. Again, it goes back to what we've been stressing this whole time is just get creative, have some fun. Yeah. Like it, anyway, you don't even have to, it's not even that hard. That's the thing that I know it's, like so it's, it's almost easier to like, <laughs> these outfits exist for every soccer team that you look up in Europe. People are walking around with Manchester United track jackets made by Adidas left and right. Are you telling me that if they didn't make those things for the Kings, like people wouldn't be rocking them? Yep. It's it's so simple. It's so yeah. simple. And yet it just seems like every year I go and I'm like, ooh, there's some midsummer sale on Team LA store. Or like, ooh, beginning of the season, let me see what they have. And I just find the same, same crap. dull, boring thing year after year that I'm like, why would I waste my money on this? Yep. No, like hire designers, you know, yeah. like hire someone who's creative and who doesn't do hockey and be like, hey, man, give me your take on this. Yeah. Hire someone who cares about the damn team. Yeah. Hire someone who cares about the sport and wants their team and the fans of the team to be passionate about what they have and feel like they have a unique piece. Like the one awesome thing that they did for the Caps, as soon as the Caps won, Adidas released um, a special edition of their of their uh, AM4 uh, running shoe. I saw that with with the Caps, and they, yeah. and so far they haven't released that for any other team. I don't know if they're planning on it, but as, if you were a Caps fan, and you could order that shoe, and you knew that you were the only team who had that shoe because your team was the one that won the cup. That stuff like that's amazing to yeah. me as a fan. Yep, I'm with you. I'm gonna take okay. it back on the ice already. All right, go for it. Go for it. I would make every penalty run the entirety of its time mm-hmm. regardless of a goal so essentially all penalties would be served as majors in the sense that if you score on a two-minute penalty with 130 you still are on the power play for 30 more seconds you could score as many times as you want regardless of the penalty that's that's one change i'll put in uh you want to talk about discipline that'll do it real quick yep real quick and and, and even and even if it wouldn't, dude, most power plays run almost the entirety anyway, right? right? Most power plays, like, maybe you score a minute in, maybe you score quick. But for the most part, they run a significant amount of right. the time that's the on the clock. the average is roughly, what, 17 18% power play percentage? Right. So, so maybe, like, the best team is at 18 19 yeah. I don't know. So one out of every five penalties, this would extend to two minutes, roughly. Yeah. That's it. But simple. Still, it, simple. It, might make a, it might make a huge difference. Exactly. And take a penalty against a good power play now. You know, like yeah. they, it's going to make you think twice, maybe three times. You're going to be more careful. It's going to open things up. Okay. I like it. Simple. Yeah. That's one of my simple ones. 
Um, I'm going to stick with a little theme of mine involving RFAs. All right. I propose that they reduce the RFA age to 25 across the board, regardless of how many seasons a player has played. So right now, you're an RFA. I think if you've played seven seasons, right? That's that's all. I think it's, it's either it's it's either um, games played. Uh, it's I'm not completely sure. It's kind of. I think it was. I th- I want to say it was seven seasons, which is why when okay. you're like an 18 year old getting into the league, you're an RFA until age 25 or something. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you're no longer an RFA and then you can become an unrestricted free agent if your contract runs out. Right. I want to say maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong about that in terms of how many seasons it is. But it's something like that, which is why you're seeing guys like Taveras and whatnot at 27, 28 years old. I propose they reduce it to 25 regardless. So if you come into the league and you start playing at age 20 and you're awesome, fantastic. You're still an RFA at age 25. It doesn't matter how many games you've played. Yeah. If you're 25 years old, you're allowed to be an RFA. And again, I, I think this moves to the idea of player movement, giving the players an ability earlier on in their career to be able to move around, to get you know, contract offers from different teams and explore unrestricted free agency younger and earlier in their career where they're still in their prime. Does that mean at 25 you're, you'll be unrestricted? Is that what you- no, if you, right if, you've the, signed a contract, if yeah. you've signed a contract at age 22 that goes seven years, you, you go the length of the contract. Right, but what I'm asking is the UFA eligibility becomes 25, 25. Or, or, or older. Gotcha, Correct. gotcha, gotcha. Okay, Correct. makes sense. Correct. Right now I think it's 27, right? It, it, it's not – I think the hard cutoff I yeah. think is 27, 28 right, or, right. Seven, or like seven full seasons mm-hmm. if you've played in the NHL. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. No – it's I think eight. you make it 25 regardless. Let's if go. you're 25 years old and you've played three seasons in the NHL, fantastic. You're still a UFA if you if you only chose to sign a contract up to age 25. Yeah. And it's funny because they the NHL had it at 30 right. years old not it's long 50. ago. And then they would drop it to 27 after I think the lockout or something around there. That was one of the negotiating things yes. because the players yes. felt like they had no control over what kind of a contract they got. They would yeah. sign an eight-year contract at age 21 after their entry-level deal where they're getting paid peanuts on their entry-level deal unless they meet certain performance incentives. And so they would sign an eight-year contract thinking like, hey, man, this is job security for me. But I think it makes a team – and it makes sense because now a player's prime is probably considered to be 25, 26. 27. And that should be your – right. And that should probably be your UFA years. Yeah. I like it, Marty. Good. Good job. Thanks. We're rocking it. All right. All right. Uh, my next proposal is to make the NHL schedule shorter, 60 to 65 games every season, uh, less injuries, better quality, spread the schedule out more. Uh, mm-hmm. And build anticipation for the games, which I've always said the NHL needs. It's too many games. This game, this sport is as taxing as maybe not as taxing as football, but pretty close. And they play once a week. Um, longevity yeah. for these players is important. And the quality of their play as individuals will now, you know, their shelf life as players will now be longer. So I'm all about that. Keep it in the winter months or actually just spread out the schedule. Give them more breaks. Let them yeah. rest. Let them heal. Well, the bye weeks have been one of the things that the players have loved the most is being, you know, they stretched it out and they gave 
the players a yeah, week off. But then they come back with this condensed schedule to right. make up for the time. Right. Like it's still, you know, it, it's still not perfect, obviously. And that's why just 82 games is too much. It's too much for this sport. Um, so especially I, with how it's getting played now, like it's fast, faster, yeah. it's more off ice stuff. Your off season is never an off season. You know what I mean? Like right. you're rarely, very rarely getting a chance to, uh, to take some time off. Yeah. That being said, my next suggestion, I propose that they make a summer developmental league for draft picks and players who basically are in their first season at the most. So kind of like the World Junior Showcase that they're doing, but they make it NHL sponsored and they make it 30 teams like a mini tournament. I think for, that the NBA has something like this, don't exactly. they? Exactly. It's yeah. a, okay. a D-League. You're right, it's a D-League. But they, they play like a certain number of games. I propose you make it like a, a a divisional tournament, if you will. You take the same divisions, you take the same developmental players, okay, and you have them play kind of a round robin, one game against everyone in their division. And then you take the division champions from each division and you have them play – a, like a small mini playoff nothing too crazy yeah. nothing that's going to like tax these guys or take them away from their development from their you know um from their whl team or whatever from too long but it's something that that gives the teams an opportunity to put these guys in a competitive setting against other nhl teams and i propose they televise it because here oh, we are yeah. sitting in july bored out of our minds not having a whole <laughs> lot to watch you make that little league, you make it play across for a month or two tops. I think that's that's a great little thing to fill this time. And it'd be so easy, dude. Stream it online. Easy, yeah. Like, who cares? Like, no one yeah. just put it in your app that you could put on your smart TV now. Right. Like, you know. You can, it, again, I'm not, I'm not saying anything crazy. I'm talking like 10 or 12 games for each team tops. Right. In the setting of everything. Right. But I think it's a fun little tournament. I think it means something for these guys. I think it gives a team the opportunity to see, you know, the Kings have their little rookie tournaments that they have, which started off with, it was just them and Phoenix playing for a while. And then they started bringing it where it was them, Phoenix and Anaheim and San, San Jose. Jose yeah. Now it's like every year I hear about, Oh, they're adding two more teams. I'm like, well, why, why do we have to do this on such a small scale? Why not have the NHL organize this and make it like an actual thing every summer? Yep. It makes too much sense, Vardy. That's the problem. And, uh, you're right. You're, <laughs> you're right. You're right, man. Okay. Uh, I propose the NHL goes to a 3-2-1 point system. Three points for a win. Uh, two points. Uh, three points for a regulation win. Mm. Two points for an overtime or shootout win. One point for an overtime or shootout loss. Okay. Okay, we got that. Everyone following? Yeah. Let's do this again. Three, <laughs> three for a regulation win. Two for an overtime or shootout win. One for an overtime or shootout loss. So you're you're considering an overtime win and a shootout win equivalent in terms of points? Yes, that's what it comes down to, and I'll tell you why. Because the three on three is just as much a crapshoot as the shootout to me right now. Hmm. It's just as much of a wild kind of a scenario where yes skill is more important than when it is in the shootout but i think it's become the type of thing where it's like anything can happen in three on three just like anything can happen in the shootout the main thing is three points for a regulation win um 
because right now regulation win and overtime win are the same and i i don't mm-hmm. i don't think i like that i don't think that's i think the shootout and the three on three are much closer in terms of what happens and the unpredictability than a regulation win. i think a regulation win should stand alone uh in terms of points so how about what if we simplified it and we went with two points per win okay one point for overtime win or shootout win and then nothing if you lose whether it be in overtime shootouts or any type well, of loss because, whatsoever well because losing in the shootout you see that's what it comes down to is like <laughs> losing in the shootout or overtime is the same reason why you get only two points is why you get one point because it's such an unpredictable crapshoot you don't want to give them nothing for that mm-hmm. uh, the only way you get nothing is three to zero right points okay. wise so that's that's what I propose. I think I, I think it would even out the standings a lot. Uh, I'd be curious. I haven't done this. I should have, but I I'd be curious if I retallied the NHL point totals with this system. What would actually come out of it, and how it would change? Yeah, I mean the I'm sure the the um you know the rankings would change for sure. The standings would change for right, sure. Right. Right. Okay. All right. All right. I can I can go with that. Um. I'm going to go back a little bit more to the to the appeal of the players aspect of things. All right. <laughs> I want to see personalized player intros every game. <laughs> <laughs> and I want I want each player to be able to pick the song they want and if they ever score a goal, I want that song played. <laughs> Custom goal songs. Brendan Shanahan had his little he, Irish jig. The Red The Red Wings did it. Yep, the Red Wings did it for a while there. Right. And I, again, I, I keep going back to the NBA, but they just do this so damn well is, you know, players come out and they announce the starting lineup and the dude sitting on the bench and gets the high five all his, all his <laughs> teammates before he comes out. They put a little image up of, of him and everything. I want that. It's true everyone. because it gives the it gives the crowd the opportunity to properly react to each yes. player. Um, yes. The spotlight is on that player for like yes. ten seconds, so I totally yeah. get that. Like, imagine, I don't know, Corey Perry in LA gets a spotlight moment where he comes off the bench. It's like starting at left wing for the end. They boo the hell out of him, yeah. and it'll be a beautiful moment. And I want that. I get I want it. The, I want the I want the heroes and the villains acknowledged, and I want them to feel like there's a little something in it for them when they score a goal. You know what I mean? Yep. Totally. It's presentation, man. It's 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 a beautiful thing. It's funny how mu- how much the NBA gets right, isn't it? For ev- everything you could say, they get wrong. Yeah, their player presentation is just outstanding. Because they, you know what it is, they have they have realized that they are they're putting on a show. No matter what, they're putting on a show, and the better the showmanship of it all, the more attracted people are to the game and to the product yeah actually one of the things i was gonna put that i didn't put was uh making performance enhancing drugs legal all across the board <laughs> just let it just let them go nuts man this is a show let's just go crazy but I, I didn't put it in there vardy i did right. okay so stop yourself with a show restraint i did uh what i did put in though is my proposal for the nhl to make standing blocks the only legal blocks you can make as a defender Uh, if you hit the ice with one knee 
If you lay down on the ice with your body and block a shot, it is a two-minute penalty for delay of game. <laughs> the only way you could block a shot is standing still and standing in front of it. You just blew up John Tortorella's <laughs> coaching playbook. Look, man, you see these guys with, like, their gear and now their skate guards and all. Like, they are they will block shots all day, no problem. Right. And they will lay their body on And it's just... it. Getting shots through is a huge problem in the NHL right now. Um, and I feel like although a lot of those blocks are standing blocks, I think if you just make the standing blocks legal, you have you open up things for players to get shots through a lot more, force goalies to make saves. Um, yeah, and it, I don't think I'm the only one who's said this. I, I'm sure other people have brought this up. But right. to me, it's like, do it. You want goals in a way where you're not kind of messing with the game too much? No sliding blocks. I like it. I think it works. I think it's simple. a simple solution. Um, okay. Um, I would like the NHL to have a hard knocks like off season show mm. that follows a team every Training season. Camp. Right now, I, I they have one already. The kind of doing the road to the winter classic or whatever, but I want one. If you've ever watched hard knocks, you realize that like the stories that matter aren't the ones about the guys that, you know, are going to make the team. Yes. You know, it's nice to see their personality kind of off the ice and what they do, but the ones that really engross you in the story is, you know, they'll take this, a bunch of rookies and you're not sure who's going to make the team or what's going to happen, you know, are they going to get cut? Are they going to get sent back down? And granted, the NHL doesn't have that type of roster flexibility per se, but I want to see a show that covers a team from the end of the season. I want to see it from like the okay, summer. I, we decided it's going to be the Kings. We're going to cover them through the draft. We're going to cover them through the offseason or free agency. We're going to cover them into training camp to the beginning of the season. So it's going to be something that spans like three months, right? So yes. it's not going to be a simple, you know, some of this is going to happen in July, and then they're going to come back and record some of it in, in September. But to me, again, we've, we've, we've talked about this before, but some of the best stuff that I've appreciated from teams when they put it out is, is the little like draft specials that they do where you see the table talk discussion and stuff like that. And I'm not asking, you know, for a ton of trade secrets to be exposed, but like that stuff is just gold, man. For, for people like us who are really into watching the game, that level of, of just on the ground discussion, you know, behind the bench kind of talk and things like that. I, I love stuff like that. Yeah, I love I, I seeing would, these off season. I would meetings. eat it up, man. No yeah. doubt about. It. That's the best stuff. Like they they did, um, you know, stuff like the HBO show, the twenty four seven leading right. up to the Winter Classic. It was good, but it still lacks in certain ways the true like behind the scenes, pulling the curtain back and showing right. like the mentality of how to build a hockey team right. and how to run a hockey team. That stuff that's is fascinating. Yeah. That's what I want. I uh, want the uh, one I've, where they're sitting there in free agency and they're talking about who's available as a free agent and they're putting in those, these boxes. I want, I want to be there as much as possible to hear them discuss like, all right, guys, we need a left wing. We've been going after a left wing year after year. These are our options this year. I want to go around the table and everyone tell me who you think we should go out after. You know what I mean? And I yeah. want to hear people say, like, we shouldn't go after Kovalchuk. I don't know if he's still got it. He's 35. I don't know if these, these are what we want. 
that stuff, I get it. It's not ideal. It's going to piss off some executives. But, hey, an NFL team does it every year. Every year they do it, and the league does it because they know that it's good for the product. I would love it. I mean, you're talking to (laughs) – that's right up my alley. I would love, love that. Absolutely. And Um, you wouldn't be the only one. No. You would not be the only one. It has mass appeal. The Uh, problem – I think – I think – so one of the things that the NHL does poorly, in my opinion, is that it underestimates the intelligence of their fan base. I think it underestimates just how much their fans want to be in, in the nuts and bolts of the game. And it, it, it makes it difficult to see advanced stats. It makes it difficult to see some of – that's why you have so many of these other websites that are like tertiary third-party websites – you know, calculating the salary cap for NHL teams, showing you like the possession data, oh, yeah. the shot Dude, data, and stuff like no that. There is no way the, there should be a capfriendly.com. Exactly. Like, are you high? So, like, how do you Why not have immediately that? on NHL.com? They announce the god. They announce the numbers. They reveal the numbers almost momentarily. Everyone knows how much. Do you think the cap friendly guys have some inside guys? That, no. All they do is freaking open up Twitter and they have all the information yeah. they need. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I'm and with the you. NHL acts like it's not public information. They, you know what I mean? Like, there should be a, you should be able to go to NHL.com and immediately on the top there should be a little button that says salary caps, yep. and you click on it and tells you exactly how much everyone is making every team. Yeah, it's very simple. Yes, yes. All right, all right, Vardy. All right, let's cool. Right, let's let's cool off. Let's cool off here. I would I propose Vardy with my mm-hmm. next one that compliance buyouts become a regular thing in the NHL. However, once you use a compliance buyout, you have to wait five seasons to use your Ooh. next one. So it's always there, but every time you use it, there's a five year waiting period before you could use it again. Okay. And, and if you don't use one in five years, it's not like you get a oh second no. one. Okay. No, 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 you don't. It's it's maxed that one. You have one. Okay. But if okay. you use it, there's a five-year waiting period so you could use the next one. If you're the GM, you get fired. The next GM inherits whatever the hell you did. Got it. Got so it. let's say the Kings used it on, I don't know, Dion Phaneuf this summer. Mm-hmm. They would have to wait five years before they could use another one. But it it becomes a regular thing. It's all. It's a one-time car- contract termination. I don't want to make it like every two seasons or you know something right. like that. So we'll go every five seasons. I like that a lot. That <laughs> that might be my favorite one of yours. I'm being very honest because that that's been something that's handcuffed a lot of teams, and it's a point of frustration. It's not a total get out of jail free card, but it gives them the ability to like at least plan ahead. You know, say like. Blake's in a situation where he inherits a terrible contract that he can't trade away. At least he can, you know, look forward to it. That like, if I can make it to five years, I can, I can get rid of this guy. Exactly, and, exactly. And when you sign a player now, you have that kind of in the back of your mind is like, okay, I also have this option no matter what. If mm-hmm. I sign a player for seven years, I could five make, years in, I can, or in three years, whatever your timeline is. Sure, I sure. could have this out with him too. Okay. Yeah. I like it. I think I'm I'm on my last one. This yeah. might be number ten. Yeah, and I'll, and I'm on number ten too after you. So. All right. So um, this is a very very simple one. I would like to see the NHL add an end of season award for the leader in assists and oh. call it the Gretzky Award. No brainer. Layup it's, City. <laughs> it's so easy. 
<laughs> it makes no sense to me that Mark Messier has some sort of a made-up captain award, whereas a, an objective, valuable stat like assists completely goes unrecognized. And now I get it. Okay, you can make the argument that you have the heart. I mean, uh, the the Art Ross, and you have the rocket. So you're basically taking the Art Ross and you're subtracting the rocket and you're calling it the Gretzky. But like, yeah. But why? If that's the case, then why does the rocket even exist? You know no, what I mean? Totally. Like it totally. It's, I think it's it's high time that it's Wayne so Gretzky easy. has an award named after him, and it's just so simple to name it. You know, for something as simple as assists. Yeah, he has more assists than anyone else has points. So that pretty much yeah. covers that. Um, oh yeah, I've I think this is something that you and I have probably discussed for years, and yeah, it for should like decades now. It should be just do it, <laughs> just freaking do it, guys. Okay, I like it. Anything with Wayne, I'm on board, Vardy. You know that. <laughs> Those uh, are my ideas. Well, Those I got my ten. I got one more. All right. It's a little complicated. <laughs> okay. It's, it's a good thing we left it last. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to restructure the lottery system for the draft. Okay. And I propose this. The first five picks of the NHL draft will go to the first five teams eliminated from playoff contention. Okay? Okay. After the five the, worst. The five no, the first five teams eliminated from the playoff contention. The first five who get eliminated. They're I like, see. you're out. You can't okay. make it anymore. Okay, so it's a time thing. Of those five teams, for the remainder of the schedule, the team with the highest winning percentage mm. of those five will get the number one overall pick. So it's not really a lottery so much as it's like a mini tournament of... But but what it does is it makes, of the worst, the best team, the best performing team, mm-hmm. gets the number one overall pick. So the highest winning percentage. So let's say the the worst five the first five teams eliminated next season in the playoffs are uh, Minnesota, Carolina, Chicago, I don't know Boston, St. Louis, whatever. Now those five for the rest of the way have to play well in order to. I think get, you just named five playoff teams from last season, sure. except for Chicago. Chicago, sorry, All right, sure. never mind. Was sorry. Carolina in? No. Okay. All right, never mind. Yeah. Uh, so that's my point. Is like from those five teams, now the highest winning percentage mm-hmm. earns the number one overall pick. So you don't tank. You're saying outright they get the first overall outright. pick. Not that, not that they get the highest percentage chance of getting the first overall pick. Outright they win the number one overall pick. Okay. So it's a mini tournament for the number one overall but, pick. But they don't necessarily play each other. Sure, sure. It's, okay. it's how you perform the rest of the, your remaining okay. schedule. So right. what that does – effectively is eliminates tanking straight away you i mean you might be able to tank early or you tank early but no (laughs) one but the thing but the thing is no one tanks early right the whole thing is that no one tanks early every season a team rolls in thinking this could be the year guys you know like i'm sure next year vancouver's like oh we're smelling the playoffs um and then picks uh Two to five, obviously, would be based on where you rank uh, with your winning percentage. So the top winning percentage would be first, and then the rest of the way is the second highest, third highest, fourth highest, fifth highest winning percentages. That's how you uh, decide who picks one to five. So that's my 
thing <laughs> with that. It's like, hey man, you're the five worst. Now which one of you is gonna be the best? The best to the worst. Earn the first overall pick. Don't, you know, not not earn it. reverse earn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like all of these things. It's weird. The game is the game is better now. <laughs> yes. We did it. <laughs> uh, they will build statues and write songs about, about this, day. this day but yeah that those are our lists guys we had fun with it vardy i had a great time i thought some of our ideas were great um and revolutionary i want to throw out to anyone listening guys give us your ideas um mm-hmm. you, you can find our contact form on our website the bannermanpodcast.com and of course you could hit us up on twitter give us your ideas and uh if we find that one is truly extraordinary or a couple or a handful are truly extraordinary we're going to share it on the show yeah. next fact, episode so, so far to say we should start a hashtag hashtag better nhl everyone <laughs> whatever your idea is hashtag it better nhl let's get this thing going uh your hashtag game is strong buddy thanks better, I better nhl i like it so hashtag better nhl if you tweet us hit us with that hashtag and next week or next episode, or next, or next month, month. <laughs> whatever, whatever that summer, is. Guys. Things are tough. There's nothing to talk about. We've had a month break now. Um, hopefully things will pick up, but yes, please hit us up, guys. This goes along with everything we've said. Leave us reviews. Talk to us on Twitter. Interact, because that's what we like to do. We really enjoy it. Uh, it's been fun, Vardy. I really it enjoyed, enjoyed this one. Enjoyed it. it was a good one. List Miserable. Part two, <laughs> Electric we'll Boogaloo. <laughs> we will have a better name. More uh, miserable. <laughs> All right, guys. For Vardy, I'm Gato. Thank you for joining us. This has been episode 25. We'll see you next time. GKG. GKG.